Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. And that would be that we'd be touched by the presence of God, and we've already experienced that. I thank God for the music uh, that you have, we have as a congregation. Uh, not every church has that uh, opportunity or that blessing. And we thank God for the gifts that he's given us as a body uh, to be a part of that. We thank God for the truth of his word. Uh, we're in Acts. I got so excited about uh, preaching this message that if you didn't notice, and I hope none of you did, but I began to do it last Sunday. As I began to do the fourth chapter, I started off doing the sermon that I had studied for and prepared last week for this week. And all of a sudden I realized, whoa, wait a minute, that's a week early. I'm, I'm a week early on this one. So I caught myself in time. Uh, if not, you'd be here in the fourth chapter uh, today. Uh, but we're in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And I want to begin with a message that John the baptizer shared uh, with the people that he was about. This is what John said in Matthew 3, verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire." John's message revolves about repentance. It revolves all around what it means for you and for me to recognize the sin that's in our lives. And in that recognition, to come to God and say, God, I need help with this. That's the one responsibility that you and I have in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is to recognize just how lost we are and to say, God, help me. That's what repentance is all about. You know what the word means in Greek? Here goes. I'm going to demonstrate it. Are you ready? Amen. Can you figure that out? It's not a 360. It's a 180. Nick was telling us that in Sunday school this morning. It's about turning around and headed a different direction. As opposed to running away from God, what do we do? We run to God. And in that relationship with him, everything has changed. When Jesus came... That message was different. His message was not the same as that of John. And that's what we see experienced in this fifth chapter, a message of what it means for us to understand who he is. As a matter of fact, John says that in verse 11 in Matthew 3. Uh, he says, After me will come who, one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. Every believer here this morning that has trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior I hope you realize this. We are not the message. I am not the message. We are called to be the messengers. We are messengers. And what we do, it's really kind of cool, in the, in the Greek language, the messenger that you see that word quite often in, the, in God's word, it, it's angelos, and it just means messenger. Guess what we are as believers? We are called to be messengers of what? Of the good news of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. In our lives, there's a change that comes when Jesus Christ rules in our hearts. And hopefully, 
The world can see that. And the world can experience that because it's the change that's come in us. What did Jesus say to the disciples in Acts 1.8? But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is God's power working through us that makes the difference in our lives. And that is to be in our life every day because that's something that John could not share with us. Recognizing that you're sinful is a good thing. Cleansing your life is another thing completely. And we allow that, that responsibility to that personhood, the person of Jesus Christ coming into us through the person of the Holy Spirit, changing us and changing our lives and hearts. There's a message that Jesus has for each of us, and that is that we would re recognize what it means to be his disciples and sharing that hope that is ours. Uh, there's a change that comes in us. Uh, it's the message that we heard uh, in a shortened version even this last Sunday when we had three who were baptized behind me. We are therefore buried, this is Romans 6, 4, and you don't have it, Nick. Uh, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the power of God, uh, so we too may live a new life. And that's the picture of what baptism is. And I, uh, you may have seen me do this already, but we've done it, I've done it with several people here recently. I did it with Ron, right? Here's the picture. The baptismal waters are here. We are baptized into Christ's death. That's what that represents. And then we are raised to walk in newness of life. That is the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done in us. And he's put his Holy Spirit, he's put the truth of his word, and he puts the relationship of what it means to be a part of the body into us. And we understand that. And a lot of times, I see people trying to say, you know what, there's so much in this book I don't understand. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's a lot of stuff in God's Word I don't understand. I don't know how God can be in three persons at one time, but I believe He is. I don't know how He did all the creation that He did, but He did. And we thank God for that truth because we are able to trust Him, because the truth of His Word is the measure against we, which we measure the world and which God measures us. It's God's Word as truth in our lives, lived out. And you and I are given that opportunity uh, to share with people the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And my prayer would be that each of us would be about that daily as we live our lives. Each believer who is here would know that truth. And if you don't know that truth, there are people here who are able to share it with you. We see that truth lived out in the lives of people. Remember what Stephen said? We see his life as an example. As he's being stoned to death, what does he say? Sounds, forgive? <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Who else said that? Jesus said that very same thing. Think about, I don't know if you know this, James, the brother of, of, of Jesus, Remember what? No, this is the brother of John. Forgive me. He had his head cut off. Tradition tells us that's what happened with him. What happened with Paul? Shipwrecked three times, flogged multiple times, imprisoned. All these things happened to him. Why? For a reason. And that reason was he was sharing the good news. And the good news that changes our life is that all those things that we've done, 
All the sins that we think that God could never forgive us for have been forgiven not because of what we've done, but, but because of what God has done in and through us, through his one and only Son. That is the hope that's ours. That is the life that is ours in Christ. And that's the message that we see lived out in that fifth chapter of the book of Acts. We'll see the message of what it means for us to have that hope, to live that life in such a way that the world sees it. The first thing we see is this relationship in Jesus Christ demands commitment on our lives, in our lives. Look with me in Acts 5, verse 12 and following. <clears throat> the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. No one else dared join them. We'll talk about that in just a second. Even though they were highly regarded by all the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought their sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those who were tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. There's a message that's pretty clear there, and that is that signs and wonders were going on in the church in Jerusalem. Now we, and, and Robert, I think you found it for me this morning again. You forgive me. I left it up here for a reason because I, I knew I was, I won't, I, won't, I won't carry this too far today. But this is a sign I shared with you last week. And there's a reason that we see it today. Did you hear that? And now we saw it in the fourth chapter. Now we hear it in the fifth chapter that signs and wonders were going on in the church. This sign in and of itself doesn't do or say anything. Do you understand that? All it does is proclaim one message. And that message is that this is the way to go. No matter, we talked about this, no matter how you read it, no matter how you see it, it's the same message. Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That is the hope that the church is living out in Acts 5. They've lived it out in Acts 4. And you know what? They do it all the way through the end of that book. Continually demonstrating that personal relationship they have with Jesus Christ. And it's not about following rules. That's what the world thinks. That as believers, we are rule followers. We are not rule followers. We are Jesus followers. And that we have trusted our lives to him and given our hearts to him. And we say, God, you do the best you can with what you've got here. Use me the way that you would use me. Take my life. Make a difference through my life and in my life that the world might see Jesus Christ living through me. And that everything I say and everything I do will point to him. That he might give glory to you through his life. That's the very nature of what this relationship we have with Jesus is all about. Living our lives that the world might see and know that Jesus Christ is real to us. That's what happened in Jerusalem with the church. Now the question is, what are the signs coming from your life today? Where do they point people? I think about the students. I think I praise God for all the students we have in this church and for the difference that God is making in their lives individually and those that are leading them and those that are sharing with them the hope that is theirs. Because you know what? 
there are a lot of people in the world who are pointing young people today in the wrong directions. Guess what? How long ago? Over 50 years ago when I graduated from high school and Karen graduated from high school. Guess what? And Robert graduated from high school the same year that Karen and I did. There were people who were pointing us in different directions, saying, this is the way you need to live your life. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to go. And Jesus, in his relationship with us, he seeks to do something similar. But he doesn't seek to guide us. This is a hard thing for us to do. He seeks to rule us. Man, you know what? As a high school student, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want anybody ruling me. I knew what was best for my life. I didn't want my parents telling me what to do. My dad was born in 1911. He was an old, old man when I was in high school. He was over 60 years old. And I thought, what does he know? How can he share anything with me that's pertinent to my life today? I'm going to share a story with you real quick. This is one that, that people, Diane has heard it. How about that? That other people and Karen's had to hear it my whole life. But I worked for the l &N Railroad when I was a young man. And I worked as a brakeman and a section hand. But I was going to Danville, Illinois. And it was time for me to leave home for the first time. And I was this 19. I'm leaving home. I'm going to have my own apartment, my own life, the whole thing. I'm in my baby blue Volkswagen. 1968, baby blue Volkswagen. I'm sitting in the driveway. My mother has already gone inside to cry because her baby boy is leaving, all right? She was 40 when I was born. She's already gone inside because her baby boy is leaving her for the first time. And my dad comes out, and he had a, a brown cardigan that was mohair. Uh, if you can think back that far, most of you don't have any idea what, I don't even know what mohair is, all right? But whatever it was, that's what it was, kind of shaggy-looking thing. And he came up to the car window and he leaned in on me. And I thought, here goes. He's going to tell me the regular story. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go here. Don't do that. All these things I was thinking that he was going to lay on me that I thought he had laid on me all these years I've been growing up. And all he said were these words as I prepared to move to Danville, Illinois, in life uh, as a railroad person. He said, Bob, remember whose you are. Those words have stuck with me all this year, all these years. It's not about rules. It's about who we belong to. Who we live for. Robert could sing the song, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. The message is one that we sing, but the question is, do we make that commitment in our lives? Do we really commit our lives to what Jesus is calling us to? Did you hear that there were others? And that We won't go into that too heavily, but there were three groups of people who were there that day that were hearing this. There were the apostles who were teaching the message, there were the believers who were worshiping and praising God for everything, but then there were these other people. And they're simply referred to as the others. I think these people were people who just showed up. 
Because that happened all the time in Jesus' ministry. Remember what happens when he was feeding people? He was feeding crowds. They were all coming from all over the place because he, he served a good meal. Uh, fish and bread sounds pretty good right now. I'm getting kind of hungry. But the message was, was pretty simple. He shared that after he had taught. But when he begins to talk about, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my flesh, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you remember what happened? And the people began to leave. You know what they said? This is a hard teaching. I don't under, we don't understand what you're talking about. It's hard to have that commitment in following Christ. Because what it means in your life and my life is that we claim Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. Kurios is that Greek word, all right? And it means for us to have a Lord. We don't understand what it means to have a Lord. We have a president of the United States and we disrespect him. Doesn't make any difference which party he's from. All the time. But a king, a Lord, has dominion over your life. And that's what Jesus seeks to have in our lives. That's what our commitment is about in him. When we give our lives, our hearts are all to him, that we've made that kind of commitment to him. And we recognize that. And now there's a change. That is the change that the people in Jerusalem saw because they saw these people on a regular basis. What is it that people see in your life today? When you go to school, when you go to work, what is it that people see in you that points them to anything? In Christ, we have one direction to point, and that is to the Savior who has given us his life. That is a commitment that goes beyond this earth. And one day, when I stand before Jesus, and he asks me this question, Bob, why should I let you in heaven? I'm going to give him the same answer that a man named Dewey. I don't know if you know any Deweys in your life, but I knew a Dewey. He was a Marine. He had been every place in the southeastern campaign during World War II. And Dewey looked at me, and I asked him that question. He said these words. He said, Bob... It sure wouldn't be for anything that I ever did. And he got it. He understood it. He knew what it meant to be in a life and death kind of situation. He knew what it meant to yield his life completely to someone because he had done that to Jesus Christ, but he'd also done it to the Marines. He had given his life completely. And in that relationship, he knew what it meant to make a commitment have you made a commitment in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you just sitting in the crowd? Are you just one of the people that's just there for the show? Pretty good show. The message is that God calls us. He calls us to make that commitment. And we see that commitment being made by those believers who were in Jerusalem and who were a part of that church. They were living their lives for the Savior who had given his life for them. My prayer would be that we would be about doing just that in our lives, telling others about the hope that we have. Life in Christ demands commitment. Life in Christ also produces zeal. Look at verse 17 through 20. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. That's what the NIV, the NIV translates that word. We'll talk about that in just a second. They arrested the apostles and put them into public jail, but during the night an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. This is what the angel said. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of new life. 
the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the whole bunch of them, <laughs> they were all about being rule keepers. Do you know a rule keeper? What's a rule keeper do? Does one thing, keeps rules. Have you ever known a rule keeper? All right. This is what you have to do. A, B, C, D, E. And if you don't do it, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to fuss at you. All right. That's the way rule keepers are. See, Karen, you know one, don't you, right? You know, <laughs> she's laughing up here, Nick. The message is pretty simple. That's what rule keepers do. That's what those people were. Now, this is the Sadducees. Remember your church history? Sadducees, the group that don't believe in the issue of eternal life. They figured that's it. You live, you die. That's it. That's all there is to it. They had a problem with this whole issue of who Jesus was and what he was about, and we see that all throughout the New Testament. But the message is they had a zeal. What was their zeal? Their zeal was to stop Peter and John from doing what they were doing. That was the one thing that they had in their hearts and in their minds to be a part of stopping somebody from doing what they were doing. I'm here to tell you today, church, we need to listen to this. I need to listen to this. If we find ourselves always trying to stop people from doing something because we know it's wrong, maybe we're taking the wrong attitude on what we need to be about. Rather than stopping people from doing something we think is wrong, maybe we ought to be showing and demonstrating to people what is right? People continued to come to know Jesus through the disciples, through those believers who were in the Jerusalem church. Why? Because there were signs and wonders they were doing. What are we doing in our life as Grace Baptist Church to demonstrate those signs and wonders what God is about and how he's changed our lives? We do that on a regular basis. We do it every Thursday. Uh, through the food pantry. We do it through the closing closet. We do it as we seek to minister to the youth of our community. We, we seek to do it in all kinds of different ways. And God calls us to do not less and less, but more and more, that we would be about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone we see. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but when's the last time you talked to somebody about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about you saying, come to church and worship with us. I'm not talking about you inviting somebody to Bible study or to Sunday school. I'm talking about you saying to someone, Lisa, tell me about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know who he is? Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Let me tell you how he's changed my life. You know what that is? I'm not talking about quoting scripture left and right. I'm talking about saying, this was my life before Christ. And since I have that relationship, it's real. I'm committed to him and he's committed to me. And I want you to know what he's doing in my life. Something happens when you tell people about that. There's a lot of things people can deny, but they cannot deny the truth of what's going on in your life. This is what Christ is doing. This is what Christ has done. This is what Christ will do for me. Do you have that hope, that zeal, uh, that message, that message of God's love in your life that the world sees 
and that points others to Jesus. In everything you say and do, your life is a living testimony of that hope, a living testimony of that life because of what Christ has done in you and through you. We see the disciples doing that every day in their lives. <laughs> life in Christ demands commitment. Life in Christ demands zeal in our lives. Life in Christ demands obedience. Now you're beginning to meddle, Bob, in my life at least. The Sadducees were zealous to stop Peter and John from doing what they were doing, but in Acts 5.27, we see that lived out. Having brought the apostles, uh, excuse me, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin uh, to be questioned by the high priest. And this is a quote. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make the guilt of this man's death on our hands. There's a message that we see there, and that's what the Sadducees were all about. It's all your fault that we're having problems with the people now. Have you known that person? Then no matter what you do, it's always somebody else's fault with an inability to recognize that problem may begin and end with me. I have a hard time doing that. Maybe I have a little bit too much Sadducee in me. Maybe I have a little bit too much Sanhedrin in me. God calls us to recognize that we have a testimony of what it means to live for Christ. And listen to what Peter shares. Peter has a message for him, even as he did in that chapter we looked at last week. Look at verse 29. Peter and the other apostles, they all replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you've killed and hanged him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give these things, repentance and forgiveness of sins to all, to Israel, we are witnesses of these things, and so in the Holy Spirit whom God has given us to obey him. Obedience is a part of our lives. We know what we ought to be doing, and that's the problem. There's an old West Texas joke where an A&M graduate went to see this rancher, and he said, I want to tell you how you can increase your uh, uh, foals, uh, the number of cows you're having, everything, by, by over 50%. And he talks to him for two hours about how he can do those things. And this grizzled old West Texan looks at him after he's through and he says, son, well, I really appreciate you sharing all this information with you, but I already know how to ranch a lot better than I'm doing. How many of us here today already know how to do what we're supposed to be doing? We're just not doing it. We let somebody else take that responsibility. We let somebody else take that, that act of obedience that is ours. And we claim it as our own. There's a person that steps up. Gamaliel was a teacher. And you can see writings that he's done. You can also see what he says to the Sanhedrin. Look at verse 33 of Acts 5. When they'd heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, the teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you'll <clears throat> intend to do with these men. 
Some time ago, Theudas appeared and claimed to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men, and you will only find yourself fighting against God. There's a message that Gamaliel shares that is so real today. It may be that you're here today, and, and you wonder, what, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm not a believer. Why am I having to listen to all this stuff? Well, I have to do it because somebody brought me or somebody expects me to be here. The message behind what we see lived out here is Gamaliel, this man who was a good man, a righteous man, we see him sharing a message. He simply says this, leave it to God. You see what God can do in your life in the amount of a day. You talk to God and ask him to do this. God, you help me through this day. You help me to show, and just show me today what you can do in my life. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask maybe somebody else that's a believer. You pray for me as I do this. You need to know if you're not a believer here today, this church is praying for you even while you're sitting here. There are people in this congregation praying that people would come to know Jesus Christ through the time together we have right now. That is the nature of what it means to be the body of Christ. Try it and see. That's all Gamaliel says. See how God leads. See how God directs in your life. Because the other way leads to death and destruction. That's what Gamaliel says. Did you hear what he said about Theudas? Did you hear what he said about Judas? Everybody died. And Christ, there's a message he shares with us that's so real today, I, I can almost taste it. He says to us, each one of us who are here today, he says that I came for a reason. And that reason I came is to give you life and give it more abundantly. I'm not going to tell you what not to do. I'm going to show you how to do what God would have you do. God seeks to see that lived out in your life and mine, that we would live that message, that we would show it, that we would demonstrate it in everything we have. Life in Christ demands commitment. It produces zeal. Life in Christ also leads to obedience. And finally, life in Christ results in victory. <clears throat> Look at verse 40. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Don't you? I love that. <laughs> it was, it, they thought, okay, we're going to listen and do what Gamaliel says. So what's the first thing they do? Remember what they did just a couple of days ago when Peter and John were preaching? They flogged them. Now they got the whole group of the disciples there. What are they going to do with them? They're going to flog them. This is probably the 40 lashes minus one that Paul talks about. And so they flog them. But look at what happens. I'm going to look at it here. And they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. After that day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. There are so many times in your life, if you're a believer here today, that you'll find that you seem to be up against a wall and you can't get any farther. And you wonder, how did I get in this shape? 
There's a message that God has for us, and that is that there is victory in Jesus. We sing that song all the time. In Texas, we did, right? You know the, you know the tune. I won't even do it. Robert, Robert says, don't, don't do it right now because, because you won't do justice to it. But the story is an old story. That's the song, what it's about. Jesus and his glory, about that personal relationship. And then how does it end? Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. That's the hope that we have. That's the life that is to be ours. That is what happened with Peter, John, and all the apostles. What did they do? You know what I'd want to do? I'd want to go, first thing, go, go to the First Baptist Church in, in Jerusalem because they would have had the hospital there. I would have gone, fix my back, it's just killing me. Uh, this is too much, I can't stand it. But what did they do? The first thing they do is the same thing they did last Sunday. They gave praise to God for what he had done in their lives. How many of you take a whipping and then give God the praise for it? How many of you take a beating and give God the praise for it? How many of you take disappointment? How many of you take, how many of us take physical issues in our lives that are, seem overwhelming and give God the glory through those times? You see the nature that was theirs? My prayer would be that would be our nature. Because when we have that nature, we have the very nature of Jesus Christ in us. What's he say in the garden? Father, if there's any way, if there's any way that you can change things and the way they're headed, I know where they're headed, but not my will, but your will be done. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Thank you, God, for the message that you shared with us. My prayer would be that we would live that and that the reality of that relationship we have as believers would be something that the world would see and there would be evidence of that love, that life in our lives. Please join with me in prayer. We thank you, Father, for this day and for the gift of love that you've shared with us through your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for what it means to make that commitment uh, in Jesus Christ. If there's one that's here today that's never made that commitment, Father, I pray that you just pray this prayer. Father, I recognize the sin that's in my life, and I know I've been running for you for a long time, but I thank you for the fact that you're all that time, you've been looking for me, and I realize you're here right now, just like that father in Luke 15. Help me to trust you with my life. Help me to live my life for you. Help me to be obedient. Help me to be zealous in sharing that message of the hope that Jesus brings. You help me, Father, to live the victory that is mine in Jesus Christ. And I do that because I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I give my heart, my life, my all to him. I leave my old life behind. I'm buried with Christ. And I'm raised to walk in newness of life because of what Christ offers me. Father, for Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.